Welcome to the PT Mag podcast. This episode, we are joined by the legend that is Mr. Dan Osman. Uh, topic we're focusing on today is client-centered coaching. Uh, we have a really, really good conversation with Dan. He's a uh, He's one of the guys in the industry that we really, really respect, has a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. Um, we go through what client co- client-centered coaching is, what's comprised of it, approaches to take with people, uh, advantages, communication, um, and generally kind of understanding how that might affect your mindset and how to approach things to bring about a better result overall for your clients. Hope you take a lot from this episode. Uh, Drop us any comments, any questions into the email that's in the show notes. Anything that you would like to see going forward, let us know. And please share this episode with as many like-minded people like yourselves, uh, and hopefully that will help them as much as will help you. Morning. Morning, 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 people. Right. We are very, very lucky, especially today, to have Mr. Dan Osman with us, who's an absolute legend. And we do throw that word away quite often, if I'm honest. Means nothing to me. (laughs) But we do mean it today. We do mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Let me just get into the group just so I can aware of any questions that come in yeah and we're especially lucky seeing as are you joining us on your anniversary i'm surprised you're not in the doghouse maybe you are in the doghouse that's why this is my doghouse yeah Yeah. (laughs) well right so as you guys are aware we've been talking about this for a good week or so ago um now um it's a topic that we is very specific but we talk about a hell of a lot we throw it about on many different courses go into a little bit of detail on it but it's always i feel difficult that especially within your first two or three years of personal training and these levels of let's be real like a lack of confidence in principles and the approaches and you need people into your business and yeah you need to generate leads generate sales so there's an element of sometimes we become a bit more i suppose we dictate our clients quite a bit but with their best interest at heart and we, we talk about this, like I said, we talk about this so much and we wanted to add more context today and especially to do it with Dan because we believe um, from the outside looking in anyway that Dan is like one of the best at this um, from what we see from a social media perspective and what we know of Dan. So first, mate, should we do the cheesy intro in case people don't know you? Oh, I'm not prepared. It's like my least favourite subject. No. All right. <laughs> How can we spin this, actually? How can we <laughs> can't can we no if it was conceited to describe yourself anything other than a personal trainer so i'm a personal trainer i have been working in the health space now for the last 15 years that started as a level two doing your your basic if we're going to use phrases on the internet in the trenches work of wiping sweat off machines doing gym inductions all the stuff the rite of passage i believe most people should go through uh, and that involved into personal trainer at my university gym at the time it was a heavily subsidized course 
uh, that evolved into a distinct interest in strength and conditioning. I did some voluntary work, lots of voluntary work when I was at uni with the English Institute of Sport. I had TAS athletes that were there at the time in our performance suite. And that moved into an internship with Saracens Rugby Club straight out of uni. And it just evolved from there. I, you know, I, I worked a lot with professional and amateur athletes at that time. That evolved more into doing my personal training job at the same time because as an intern, if anyone's ever done an internship, especially for what seems to be the, the most wealthy clubs, is they don't pay you any money. So I did that at the time as well. So I got a real, I feel, understanding of the super adherent, effectively in the politest sense, working with robots that didn't need any persuasion or guidance or any convincing to do what you needed them to do because they're professional athletes, they had a vested interest, to work into the polar opposite, people that had no motivation that they, they couldn't understand why they weren't motivated. So it was a life lessons on empathy, I think, and putting myself in other people's shoes, which I think is a, is a crucial part of anyone's journey and skip forward a, a good few years. And I basically work with the general population now as an online coach and delivering talks in the corporate space on wellbeing and health and fitness and everything around that in a nutshell. Quality. So just to piggyback off the, what you just said regards to the empathy side of things and Obviously, the majority of personal trainers who are in here work with general population who struggle with adherence, struggle with motivation, consistency and all of that type of stuff. And it's sometimes, we've had many chats, really difficult for PTs. It's easy for us to point the finger and go, you need to understand them more and all of that. Like, But we come into the industry, I know I did, with I have all of the solutions, so I'm going to go out there and try and help these people and sure. I'm going to solve the problem. And um, when you flip that on its head and you start to understand coaching in its finest kind of form and the art of coaching, you start to move away from that and start to want to become a little bit more client centered. And you realize your approaches are, might have been the reason why clients have struggled in the past when you do mm. self-assess and stuff like that. So jumping off the back of that, and as I said, this is the only question we've got for you. And we're just probably going to go off on that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fine. But when we talk about kind of client centered coaching, Apart from the obvious, what does that mean to you? Essentially, and this is just very much my own opinion, client-centered coaching is the only coaching we should be doing. You know, it's very much the personal in personal training, if you like. It should be based around our clients and their needs and their wants and their desires. Um, but I think more so, especially the last year, is being open to and giving clients the opportunity and the space to work in a, a way that works better for them even if that means compromising your typical approach, I think. Um, so meeting them where they're at a little bit more understanding from an empathy point of view, of obviously understanding their predicament, their challenges. And this last year has been a life lesson on ev for everyone on empathy. If you've ever had trouble understanding your clients now, um, the last year has, has hopefully opened your eyes to that. You know, we're all working in the same four walls. We're all having challenges of weather, juggling exercise at home, juggling children and everything else that might go with that. But the most important point of that, sorry, to go round about on a tangent is that the element of compromising how you prefer to work sometimes and find something that, that works for them. And that's off the basis of just having lots of conversations with them. Often things that have nothing to do with their training and their nutrition but getting to know them, what they value, what they hold dear as people, because then you can come better, you can better find solutions and mutually agreeable terms that work for them and their circumstances. So for an, exa for an example of that would be if you're working with someone that really values dinner time with, with their children, it's, you know, it's potentially coming together with a strategy that makes 
exercise something that can complement that rather than happen to detract from something that they really enjoy or you know a huge social part of their week is having a bottle of wine with their their significant other on a friday evening is the last thing you want to suggest for that person if they stop drinking alcohol but you only get to better understand those situations just by having meaningful conversations with your clients even if that compromises and this is almost a almost as a product that's being sold to a lot of personal trainers I see at the moment is that systems, processes, funnels, onboarding, all of these things that personal trainers have been told they need to buy into to streamline their business for them. Well, that's great. That might make your job a lot easier longer term, but actually you need to be supporting the clients that you have right now or show that you have the emotional intelligence and the empathy to understand the situation and that you're willing to compromise on that for yourself if it means helping them. Mm. it's interesting isn't it because if you aren't on that first of all you don't know what you don't know as well and I take myself back same as Anne and probably same as as you Dan when we first started is you know you don't with all best intentions it's not something you're aware of per se because you're so focused on the results and the program that delivers that results and why wouldn't people do it if it's going to get them to where they want to be mm. it's almost if you and I'm just trying to put myself in the position of trainers that are hearing this but maybe not fully understanding or, or fully in it or trying to figure out how to apply that that empathy is you're constantly kind of I guess challenging people's decision making on what they value and what they don't yet value it, mm. though you do as well. And I think when we come up against challenging people's decision-making, it's kind of when people buy into you, when they decide to do this and that, et cetera, et cetera, constantly they'll, they'll weigh up what are the pros with this and what are the cons of this, i.e. what am I going to gain? What am I going to lose? And if that mm. losing something is stronger than the gaining, if it's with sitting down with the kids, if it's with having that bottle of wine, that's always going to win, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. They're always weighing up that return on investment, I think. Um, and I think that the biggest winner in terms of that is giving them a little bit of something they want with ultimately what you know they need. So by swaying that behaviour change with the real low-hanging fruit, because we, we all know really deep down that the low-hanging fruit consistently applied over time is the stuff that really measures up. You know, so if that's taking someone who's really sedentary, doesn't exercise at all, and just look, can we schedule out half an hour every day where you can just stick, you know, and let's make it as easy as possible for them. So if you've got weatherproof trainers, stick those by the front door, next to your brolly, next to your waterproof jacket, can you get out in the sunshine and just have a half hour walk listening to something every day? Can you do that every single day for the next two weeks? Oh, wow, I've lost a bit of weight. Where they haven't done anything, but that comes from understanding where they're at. And uh, I think sometimes with assessments is we look at all the tangible stuff. We look at measurements. We look at physical change that clients want. Um, we look at their scale weight, but we don't necessarily have these conversations to understand the less tangible stuff, the real challenges that they face day to day. Mm. Um, so it's getting buy-in from them by just asking the, the, the littlest thing from them initially. It's like, can we just eat a few more vegetables? Can we cut, cut back on, you know, if you're having two biscuits a day with that coffee at 11 o'clock, can we have one biscuit? And that gives them a little bit of what they want without sacrificing too much of what they really need or what they mm -hmm. feel they need at that time. 
because it's, it's always going to be a case of compromises, I think. But um, again, it's, it's that compromise of understanding better where they're at, but that comes from, you know, unfortunately, it's not a sexy sale, you know, just spend more time talking to your clients because yeah. from, a, from a business standpoint, people are thinking about their, their investment from a time point of view and earning a certain amount of money. And I think that, again, something else that's very prevalent in the space at the moment is that almost the contradictory element of what you would teach a client, personal trainers are being sold. They're being sold the outcome. You should earn this certain amount of money a month. You should be aspiring to this, this amount of sales calls a week. How about you just take care of the people that you've got already or take really good care of five to 10 people and just make sure they're singing about your, your services from the top of the rooftops. Um, I think people get caught up on looking and scaling too much business, extra business rather than just focusing on the business they've got. It's, you, you just hit the nail on the head. And I was going to take this conversation towards that side of things of how then personal trainer can suppose make themselves look differently on social media. And when someone goes onto their pages, be it shouts and screams that this person is all about the client first, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's where I wanted to go kind of a, bit, a little bit later on. But you touched on something before regards to obviously over this time, um, it's never been more important to understand our clients. It's never been more important to um, to show compassion and empathy and all that kind of client-centered approach that we, we want to talk about. And that's happened, I feel, that's one of the biggest pluses out of what's happened over the past 10 or 11 mm-hmm. months. The same as the online world. And, but basically personal trainers becoming better at coaching their clients from a distance and also understanding where they're at and what their struggles are and what frustrates them and why they aren't motivated and all of that. But I'm still, we still get questions constantly on kind of client struggle with motivation. What should I do? Client struggle with adherence. What should I do? And we always take it back to this, right, let's just strip this back and start to ask them questions and start mm-hmm. to understand like what's created that, why has that happened, what are their options, what, how could you lead them and pace them into making a more productive kind of approach for that type of client, which is keeping it as client-centered as possible. If you're, an, if you're a fairly new personal trainer listening to this, you've, you, you've both just gone through how to, how to apply it. Um, and you've also just talked about marketing and onboarding and stuff like that. Then when you're dealing with a client who your biases are, are towards like, why aren't they motivated? Why can't they just do it? What type of approach would you, would you go with Dan in a sense of like, this is who I've been for a long time. I'm now listening to this and going, right, I need to really open my mind and I really need to delve into this a little bit further. Where would you start for a new PT? Yeah, I think it's important not to discredit or invalidate approaches they've found success in probably in the past as well, because no one likes to be made to feel stupid. But taking an element of that, because the thing about misinformation is there's always an element of truth with that and perhaps rolling with it, but making smaller incremental changes as you go along. So, you know, that might be that they're they're under the belief that carbs are bad for them or they can't ask carbs, eat carbs after a certain time. That might be a process you go with, but you integrate more carbs over a longer period, but perhaps not quite as much. That gives them that buy-in to you that actually that they can believe in your services and buy into what you're telling them. But I find that frequency of contact, especially has been a really important thing over the last year, because we all know that the longer 
the longer the period of time in between talking to people, the further they get away from you almost. So again, it's something that's a bit of a hard sell from a, a ter in terms of investment as a personal trainer point of view, but how often are you contacting your clients? How often are you trying to engage with them? You know, it doesn't always have to be checking up on them and asking them whether they've followed through with something that you've set them, but just also celebrating the fact that they've done something a little bit better. They not everything has to be perfect all the time. Um, as I said, like, you know, if it's something more of a tangible goal, like have you eaten more vegetables Like as a target, can you eat more vegetables this week? Just asking them over a few days, like, how's that veggie target going? How's that step target going? But just holding them accountable a little bit more, not from a mean sense, but letting them know that you're there to support them. And when you mentioned before regards to empathy, um, I talk about this in like me going back my first five, six, seven years of coaching. I can look back now and honestly say I was a poor listener. I was, wasn't very empathetic at all. I was definitely not compassionate. I was very much come from this as a sporting background. Like I said before, solving people's problems, dictating it because in a sense, I, I had their best interests at heart. I wasn't ego driven. It wasn't coming from a, a bad place. It was just, I know what you need to do to lose weight. I know what you need to do to perform better. So these are the systems and methods that we're going to go down. And yes, I'll tweak them for each individual. But then when something comes up, I probably wasn't empathetic. And mm. like, there's a lot of personal trainers like that in the industry. You've had that kind of background. You have that mindset. And it is a bit of a fixed mindset. And I can look back and say that now. Where do you even start trying to practice? Because we, we laugh and joke about it. I have to practice to become a better listener because it's a mm. skill, in my opinion. And yeah. that's me. I'll be constantly taking notes on calls, constantly paraphrasing things back to so make sure that I'm constantly listening. And sometimes that can absolutely sap me off the back of a meeting, a one-to-one, -one, whatever it is, because it's not in my personality type. It's just soul. Yeah. Where can personal trainers, like, where would you start from wanting to become better and more empathetic and more compassionate? Like, how would you concentrate on that to, to improve? Yeah, I mean, empathy in its essence is understanding people's situations, right? And emotional intelligence comes from understanding how those people best respond and what they, what they you know, one of my favourite sayings is uh, communication occurs on the terms of the listener. And that's a great personality type book, in, book if anyone wants to read into that. It's called uh, Surrounded by Idiots. And often our frustration with other people is actually a communication error on our, our point of view we don't we haven't met them where they're at you know you have certain personality types that respond great to data you have some clients that want a chat on the phone you have others that just want to write everything down you know so again that comes back to client-centered coaching and if you're finding you know for example someone's not too responsive via emails or whatever system you're using, my PT hub messaging or WhatsApp or whatever that may be, it's, can you just pick up the, the phone with them and have a conversation a bit more frequently? I think this is an important element of, sorry, just sidetrack slightly, social media. Social media is meant to be social. So, you know, if you're putting stuff out there, also engage with the people that are engaging in your content or even the people that are viewing your stories. I know that's quite a bold ask, but often it's just opening up conversations with different people from different walks of life that face different challenges Again, another pressure I find a lot of trainers are under at the moment is to niche down. But you can't be a specialist until you're a generalist. And also you can't specialise and niche down until you find out the population you really feel you can help or, and that you enjoy working with from a personal point of view. But that comes from having multiple conversations with multiple people from multiple walks of life. You can't just talk to people in your echo chamber all the time. 
you know, so it's all very well being connected with people that think and whose thoughts align with you online, but you're not necessarily going to learn anything new from those people. They're just going to be the ego fluffers. They're the ones patting you on the back because they agree with everything that you say. The people that don't necessarily agree with you, even if you're venturing onto pages that promote keto or low carb, it's can you, you know, obviously helpfully engage in conversation on those threads where onlookers might be a little bit more interested in what you're talking about and your stance of things. And can you open up conversations with those people? Yeah, it's gaining the experience. And it's a big one, this, isn't it? Because we talk about it all the time. It's gaining the experience of interacting and engaging with people. But a lot of personal trainers really do struggle with that. I struggled with that when I first started um, as a PT. Because I see struggle as, as an angle, like as a conceited thing to lead to sales. But ultimately, just from a humane point of view, you're just having conversations with people. It doesn't have to be a sale at the end of it. You don't have to go in with the intent on having a, making a sale or onboarding them as a client. It can be just, this is someone new and interesting to talk to. We've got a few things in common. I can teach them a few things. Can we just have a conversation about it? Yeah, and that's interesting in the fact that I was just as you just said then, like that was my view at the start. For the first mm-hmm. five years, if I'm interacting and engaging with people on the gym floor, the reason I'm doing that is to generate leads, where you then completely remove the enjoyment of the interaction. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I think now more than ever, PT is getting prepped to go back into gyms in what, four or five weeks. Mm. Like there's there's two sides of the coin there, isn't there? There's PTs that have been completely out of the loop, like the majority of us not speaking to people outside their circle who they they know. And then potentially PTs who just have that as a personality straight who are really strong and will just go in and about that and really want that two-way communication. and have missed it that much that they're going to literally, that's the first thing I'm looking to do. I just want to interact and engage people and enjoy conversations again. And we drive this from, from day one forward, same as we do, like getting their personality across on video and stuff like that on social media, which is interesting in, in the fact that when you said that, then it kind of triggered me to think about them PTs that are going to go back into the gym now. And we're saying, right, go out there, interact, engage, enjoy conversations without that yeah. in the back it's quite difficult at some point yeah i think so um i think it's also not putting too much pressure on yourself to change your approach at the moment like everyone's got their different strengths so it could be that you've used the period over the last year to refine your editing skills whilst you might not be having co- comfortable having conversations with people can you put out really in-depth demonstrational videos that people might find useful like do, you, do you enjoy writing can you put something down in written word if you don't enjoy camera um, there's obviously an element of compromise in which, you know, you have to speak to people It's part of the job. I'm sorry, that's, you know, that is part of it. But playing to your strength from, um, again, not necessarily from an advertising standpoint, but just, again, stripping it back to the, the humanistic elements of it. Just, can I be a warm, engaging person without any agenda? Can Just saying hello to people, goodbye. Those are the people that will stand out, remembering you know, members of the gym, if they, even if they're not clients, the little details, like the name of their dog, the name of their kids, you know, uh, what they do for a job. Those are all really important details that people pay attention to. You know, I know, especially now as an, uh, as a parent, if someone's paid attention enough that they know the name of my, my daughter, that means they care enough to think about those details. Yeah, that's a great shout. It's a good shout. And then because it's good to some people, it becomes natural too, like I said before, like, if when, when we get them questions regards to motivation, like I'm at a point now where I'm just thinking, right, someone's struggling here. And in the past, I would look at that and go, yeah, it's just an excuse. But now I'm in a mindset of let's explore this a little bit and let's just yeah. ask some questions. 
What makes you believe that? How have you found that? Just tell me a little bit more about that. And it's been, I suppose it's been a bit of an expert in open-ended, asking open-ended questions, isn't it? That's it. And it is, you know, it's quite easy to ask closed-ended questions. So even if, even if they're finding, you know, a step count difficult, for example, okay, so what specifically about that are you finding difficult? Is it the, the amount of, is it getting out the house? Is it doing it at a certain time frame? Is it the total of steps that you're doing? Can we pull that back? Can we make that more achievable? Can, you know, if, how, how long do you get for a lunch break? Oh, my boss doesn't allow me lunch. Okay, would it be helpful to have just an open conversation with your boss? Just to, you know, politely set some boundaries. Can you turn your phone off at this time? Can you have a talk with your colleagues and just say, for a set period, you're unavailable. If that facilitates you doing your steps, it's, it's looking at options. And I think in an industry that looks at, uh, potentially more restricting people more often giving them more challenges when they're already overloaded and overwhelmed with challenges in their day-to-day life anyway it's exploring options with them mm-hmm. but that's only after having like a deep dive with specifics of what they find challenging not just i'm not getting my step count done okay well what about that is the most challenging element and can we look at options to, to you know facilitate that a bit more it's all of the stuff they don't teach you, isn't it, basically? <laughs> like the, all this stuff is all also often referred to as soft skills. These are fundamental yeah. hard yeah. skills. But then, I, I, you know, I've got to say by my own admission, when I started personal training at 19, I'm naturally, I'm, I'm, I don't like putting people in boxes, but I would categorize myself as a bit more of an introvert. Like I, I wouldn't leave people voicemails, for example. I'd be quite nervous doing that. So I definitely understand that you know, the nerves that come with approaching new people in the gym, but that doesn't always need to go again, going in with an agenda as in, Oh, I've got to open up a conversation because that might lead into them being a client and just start by saying hello to people. It could just start by making eye contact and greeting people in the gym. It doesn't need to be yeah. as overt as let's have a conversation. Hey, I can help you with your deadlift there. Your back looks really else. Let me show you how to do it. But like that stuff doesn't always work. That might be for some people. It's so interesting because it's we we always say like before we even when we when we go through marketing we go through bits and bobs you know the very first thing is we know you're going to know this information we're going to start to talk about now which is about being approachable smiling like you know the soft Mm. the very basic soft skills that everybody knows but the intentful practice behind that isn't there yeah say like that agenda essentially they're setting themselves up to fail to a certain extent because if i go out on the gym floor and i have a conversation with someone that doesn't end up with them asking me for pt or saying yes to a free taste or whatever then that that doesn't work so what what are my other options or i'm not and Mm. it really it's really interesting because you flip that on its head, like every part of what we talk about in regards to PTs building business, we, f- we can flip it on the head and they experience exactly the same things that with their clients in regards to, well, yeah, when you come into the gym, when you do, when you pick up that barbell or you do your first movement or you do your first workout, you probably won't feel mm. you're doing a great job. But number one, give it time because you're going to need repetition Number two, seek advice, which I'm here for, to help you, point you in the right direction, et cetera, et cetera. And you will gain confidence and get better at doing that thing and get the result you want. And it's it's so interesting because as an industry, we preach that on our clients, but then it's the exact thing that we need to 
constantly tell ourselves as as, as, yeah. as well isn't it it's it's really interesting it's, it's, I, find it. I think it's developing trust as well it's like you know that, that going back to the humanistic elements of it is people might not be ready to buy from you now that doesn't mean you're it's a failure on your point because you've had one chat with them and they haven't signed up for pt but you going out of your way just to be friendly just to give them a few tips for their training that might mean in six months time they might be ready to buy from you you know it's, it's I, I think in the, the social media space as well is um, people often put out something and they think, I mean, I've had people inquire from work that don't follow me, have never engaged in any of my posts, but then you'll have a ch chat with them and they say, I've been, I've been like, looking at your page for the last six months. Yeah. Um, and effectively when you're on a gym floor, floor, which is the biggest difference with the online space is you are on show, you're, 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 document, you're documenting your ability to help others, but also how approachable you are. So you having a conversation with one person, someone across the gym might see how approachable you are just in having a conversation. And even though you haven't had a conversation with them, they might be someone that approaches you about working in the future. You are always marketing, you're always on display when you're on the gym floor. So even if your actions um, don't lead to a sale with the person you are speaking to, doesn't mean that everyone in that gym or someone potentially thinking about training might not approach you about work. 100%. Can I just bring it back to like, just say, I think we had a question on a live Q&A yesterday that not surprised me, but um, I think the way it was come across, it was, it was proved to me that the industry has moved forward over the past 10, 11 months with this type of conversation, right? And one of the girls said, I've got a client who I've tried absolutely everything with um, and she's still not doing what she needs to do. She's got no motivation to do it X, Y, Z. Is that my fault? And we kind of looked each other on it and was like, well, in normal cases, I would turn around and say, yes, but this is a process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're self-aware that you have control over that in a sense, not control over that, but control over facilitating that change and that you have to take some ownership and responsibility for that is huge because a lot of personal trainers don't. Now, there's a lot of personal trainers that are out there that obviously have so much doubt over their product or service because they're so new. Look at our industry, it's so new, it's so young. And everyone is learning on the job and winging it at points, right? So then when they're, um, I suppose, coming up against this, there is elements of personal trainers who probably point the finger and go, yeah, well, it's their fault. They're not motivated enough. But there's a lot of PTs out there and got who really, really will question themselves. Am yeah. I good? Is what I'm delivering good enough? And all of that type of stuff. And what's interesting is, is the only thing that we've said today is that you don't, in, in most cases, in probably 90% of the time, you don't have to be more skilled or knowledgeable in a specific topic or area. You actually just have to be skilled and knowledgeable in that person. And when we strip it right back, the only thing that you need to do, instead of trying to bang your head against a brick wall and solve all of their problems and go, right, my fitness pal didn't work, so we'll go food diary. Food diary didn't work, cool. IF might fit into their day, right? That's not worked. And then we're just going solution, solution. So actually, if we just sit there and peel this back, all I need to do as a coach is just chill, try not to stress. And ask open-ended questions because yeah. nine times out of ten, that will bring about the solution from the client, which is being more client-centered, right? What are your thoughts yeah. on that, mate? I think it's a, you're exactly right. Not presenting our jobs aren't as from a coaching standpoint, your job isn't necessarily to present answers all the time. Mm -hmm. It's to help it's to help your client find the answers for themselves. So that means presenting all the options available to them. And 
unfortunately failure is part of that so it's it's communicating the point that failure is part of the process for them as well um i think in terms of resonating more with them shared experiences you know i've tried that that didn't work for me you know being open and honest and transparent from that point of view because i think most people think that personal trainers have it sussed but then it comes back to that communication occurs on the terms of the listener it's can you better communicate that message um when it comes to trialing try can you repeat the question i've taken my mind on the tangent it's just your thoughts on the personal trainers who lack that level of confidence because they are solution-based all the time and they've yeah. got confidence where they just want to go, right, if that's not worked, this has not worked. That, and then I suppose it's that turning point and go, right, actually, it's my fault. Yeah. And for me yesterday and for us, Nick answered the question and went, well, it's not your fault really because this is just part of a process. Yeah. But actually, that level of ownership is fantastic. Do you know what I mean? So it's just yeah, more- I think so. Yeah, so I agree with that because self-reflection, uh, just, that's something that just wasn't... Self-reflection is an important process for any coach. I think just from a personal growth point of view, not just from a coaching standpoint, to, ref- you know, even when you get triggered by things, to actually reflect on it and go, is that my... Pro- like, that person's done that thing. Is that my problem or is that their problem? And if you can take a step back, I think that shows a level of humility but also the opportunity to pers- to grow personally in the future. If you're willing just to hold your hands up and say, look, I've got this totally wrong sometimes. Um, that, that's quite important. Um, yeah, reflecting, reflective practice is handy. Reflective practice is also helpful for your clients as well, I think. There's something you can encourage them to do. Um, but that, That's huge, mate. Sorry to interrupt, but that's huge and gets on my nerves in, from a check-in perspective. Mm. Our industry on the check-in process yeah. can become very trainer-centered and not client-centered. And, and then that's, yeah. that's a great example in a sense of when the PT then gets really frustrated about clients not doing it, I see that that is the big disconnect. Yeah, and I, th- I think working with people that have worked with others before, there's a big disconnect in, you know, I had to check in once a week, I had to fill in, fill in this 10-minute 10, 10 questionnaire, um, I've I respond to them and get a text back five days later. It's and that's where frequency of touch points, I think, is quite important. And that it helps to assert those at from the off in terms of level there of support they're going to get. So that helps manage their expectations. But um, as, as I said from the off, like it's not a sexy sale, you know, checking with your clients more often, spend more of your time nurturing that relationship, get to know them, and that will help help them trust you, you know, share your experiences or struggles with them, not to the offloading sense, but, you know, from a dietary sense or an adherence point of view or motivation point of view, but sorry, reverting back to your initial question is on the motivation and the processes standpoint is, can you teach them to rely on motivation less? Can you get them to buy in just the, the processes, setting the infrastructure day by day and slowly building up those habits? Because we all know motivation is a bit of a fallacy. I think there's quite some people see that as quite disempowering because they expect these like whimsical fleeting feelings to make them feel driven every day. But your favorite fit pros, they aren't motivated every day. They just have these systems, they have these processes in place which sets them up, sets them up for success. Mm-hmm. You know, they have time allocated for training as a non-negotiable. Sorry, I interrupted you there. I was gonna say going for a dip in the sea. That's that's the, that's everyone's, isn't it? That solves everyone's problem, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's another that's another you know i think no but i a lesson in that is what works for you doesn't work for everyone else yeah 
you know, morning routine is another one I kind of roll my eyes at because at the moment, my wife's heavily pregnant with two. My morning routine is emptying the dishwasher, making sure my my little girl's got her breakfast, feeding the dog, letting the dog out. That's my morning routine. I'll just go meditate for an hour. Go for your sea dip. Get in the sea. Don't ruin that phrase for me. Just get in the sea. <laughs> Real. Listen, um, I, I, we could unpack loads from this. Because I, I don't think, think I actually answered anything there. I'm not sure I answered I think the biggest thing that we wanted to get out of today was a bit of self-awareness for personal trainers to kind of sit there and go, ah, wait a minute, I do that quite a lot. Mm. I don't know I'm doing it, which was my thought process back in the day. And actually, what do I need to do? And what do I need to practice to get better at listening to my clients, asking open-ended questions, showing empathy, showing compassion, meeting them where they're at, and actually, I understand that that phrase more now, meeting them where they're at, because a lot of fit pros like to throw that about, but don't really dig into the context behind it. Mm. Um, and I think we've done that a little bit more in the last kind of 40 minutes or so. Last point, because we were going this way anyway, and I think we might as well go off on, on a more of a tangent. <laughs> we've, mentioned, we've mentioned social media a couple of times, um, and that... I've got many notes in my phone regards to this type of conversation about doing posts on Instagram for, but um, you mentioned before about chasing numbers, chasing revenue, chasing like it's that, it's that whole chase right now mm. to become this, I don't know, 10 KPT a month or whatever it is, because our industry is really pushing personal trainers towards that. And if they don't get there, they, they, they're failing. Right. And that's then steering the conversation completely away from where we're at right now, which is being mm. client-centered, which is building a great service and all of that type of stuff. When it comes to social, because I think you're very different when you deliver it from a social perspective for what's out there. And I think that's what you want to be. Your message is like tons of integrity and, and meet, definitely meets your audience where it's at and which, which is where we got the client-centered approach from. What advice would you give PTs to be self-aware of and how to come across with that showing and proving that you are very, very client-centered within your content? Um, firstly, being popular on social media is like being rich in Monopoly. Like it means nothing. It's just a, it's a vanity metric. And I, I do understand it from a point of view, you know, people say more followers, you get more reach, etc. And there is some truth in that. And there are things that you can post that will, you know, drive that following half-naked pictures, photo shoots, you know, there's many a things that we know, but my question is always just because you could, does that mean you should? Firstly, so when you're, you're delivering your messages, you're cultivating an audience that hopefully, you know, oh, okay, there's a social element of it because we, you know, we all invest time in it to watch puppy videos or whatever that may be. But if you're there for work is to curate an audience that hopefully will be invested in your services or at least value the content that you put out. Um, so when you take numbers away from that, it, I personally think it'd be far better to have a hundred highly engaged people that, that really value what you're delivering and what you're offering in the social media space than have a hundred thousand followers that are just there to fluff your ego for want of a better phrase is like your posts and, you know, you, you see it with, we're, we all see it, you know, whatever audience you have, you have your echo chamber that, you know, gives you a pat on the back. Yes, I agree with you. And we all like that. You know, we all like to be liked. We all like our ego streak to a certain degree. But if you're clear about your message, 
it's a difficult one to say don't worry about what other people think about that because there's always going to be an element in the fitness industry where you do care about what your peers think but the intention behind your social media post should always be the people you're trying to serve or you know the service that you're delivering and not just getting a pat on the back from your peers I think but you've got to be quite bold with that there's there's got to be some comfort in not necessarily that you're disliked but that not everyone will like you but that doesn't matter as long as you're confident with the message that you're putting across. And I think it's a, uh, no one should compromise on that, you know? Mm. So don't, I personally, my, my stance is I don't write about and I don't post about things that I haven't got a personal interest in, or I don't think it will help people. I, I know the stuff that I could post that's really popular and that would get a lot of engagement and a lot of likes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to, help anyone reading it or that's going to lead into a sale with anyone and again it's that going back to that having an agenda is not necessarily going to lead to a sale but is this going to be helpful to people are they going to value what i've, I've written here i think that i think that ultimately i think it's huge for people to grasp hold of because can I just say that that was very much from someone that doesn't have a large media social media following? <laughs> how much of how much of that you want to take with a take you with a pinch of salt? <laughs> I think it's I think it's massively important because it's not going to lead to a sale yet and right away and short term, but it will hundred percent lead to people buying into your business sharing your content, which will bring more business in, et cetera, et cetera, in the longer term. And I think that's the big, I'm personally, I think that's a big takeaway, isn't it? It's the big, big takeaway of, like you said, you're cultivating an audience, you're nurturing that audience and content, not to get a specific pat on the back every single time. But let, like you said, let's be honest, that is a, ego booster and it's a confidence builder and that's what people need to a large dis, um, mm. perspective but you know just bringing that back and just using this quick example that we had a bit of a not an eye-opener but a bit of a reminder of I guess is that <clears throat> you know we put content out in lots of different ways a lot of ways not very good not very well we just put the content out don't we and we you know and it was a bit of a surprise to us that we had someone who's bought into our business that's been listening to our, I hate to say the word podcasts, but our information for 12 months, not knowing mm. it ever existed and yeah. a real eye opener. And I think, again, that's just from the perspective of trying to serve people versus trying to sell to people immediately. Kind of delayed gratification, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also refining a skill as well. I think you know, if you want to get better at posting on social media, it's a it's the same thing you'd encourage a client to do. It's frequency, it's consistency. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not so going to hard. Like I, I wouldn't like to rewind seventeen years ago when we all started eighteen years ago without social media. I think it's so hard for a PT now when you are getting pushed that message of revenue numbers. X amount of K month, you can do this for less time. Like all of that that's out there. And then they've got social media to compare themselves to other PTs. They're in a the gym, they're comparing themselves to other PTs again, which is hard not to. Mm. Right? And then to accept 
and stay on the track with delayed gratification. You understand what I mean? And not go for, well, this approach is not working right now. So I'm going to do that 14 day challenge that they're doing. Or I'm going to do that, that they're doing because it's working for them. So I'm going to copy it. And that's really, I think that's really difficult. And don't get me wrong. I think the information we've given away today, like helps with that. But I think the message from my side of things here is that obviously you guys as PTs are going back into gyms and potentially like are going to have to have this in mind. And my tips on that is like, you have to be really aligned with what you want and what you need. Very, very similar to a client. Like you have to know that you're dialed into your plan, your goals, like whatever that is, whether it's a financial target, whether it's uh, bringing enough money for the family, for the X, Y, Z, whatever it is. So you know what they are and you know, specifically starting to put a plan in place of, how to market to people because if a plan's not there then nine times out of ten you're waiting for stuff to happen and it won't and staying on track because as soon as you've got that it's easier to cut the noise out isn't it i suppose mm. like, it's easier to cut the noise out and go right well i know i'm not going to get 50 leads in my first month because i'm going to go with this approach but actually in the next month when i've started to build these relationships i've been more known in the gym i've done more of these classes because they start again from let's say the end of may or whenever it is this is then going to be a snowball effect. And what we say in my last note on this is that the majority of work that you do now as a personal trainer, whatever your values, beliefs, and vision is for your business, when it comes from a social media perspective or a marketing perspective, whatever work you're doing now will probably not pay off until a couple of months down the line. And I think some PTs really struggle with grasping that. And then that's when I'm right. Well, I'm not bringing in a volume leads. I'm not bringing in a volume revenue. So I'm going to have to leave. It's that fight or flight mentality, isn't it? Which is why we have such a short time span of PTs within the industry, which is obviously the, the, the most interesting fact is that they're, they're not patient enough in most cases to, to play this out and play the long game and stay consistent. And it's coming back to your very first point, which is everything that we tell our clients about that consistency piece and habits and behaviours, they need to do themselves. Mm. It's going to keep them on track, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think so. And that, unfortunately, that's the hard sell. And there's the same glitz and glamour that's applied to body transformations, for example. And as I said, like the outcome being sold to prospective clients at the moment, because body transformations, they sell because there's the definitive start, there's definitive date, there's often a low barrier to entry and there's like outstanding results. And But you only hear about the most successful cases. And I would say that if you're a personal trainer and you're you're looking at stuff on social media, that will be the case for the personal trainers you see as well, because they're only going to, especially gurus, they're only going to document their most successful clients. And that's even if they're real clients, you know, I think the realities of the health space, and I know everyone is being sold the six figure dream at the moment, is not that for a large proportion of people, you know, £100,000 a year isn't a regular salary for most people in the industry. You might see a distinct few. Um, obviously, that having the tax conversation is a separate conversation with that that's as well. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. And that, that's the majority. But that's the dream that almost personal trainers are being missold, the same as a lot of people with a vested interest in fitness are being missold body transformations. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the what's epitomized as the ideal. And, you know, you... Okay, you could, as an in-person personal trainer, charging whatever you charge, 50, 60 pounds an hour, 30 to 60 pounds an hour, depending on which period of the country, which part of the country you're in, you could work 70, 80 hours a week and you could earn six figures. But then (laughs) what quality of life are you going to have in between? So I think it's, 
aligning with your own personal values and what you want out of the game as well. You know, for me, from a personal standpoint, as I said, like body transformations, I know they sell, but that's not what I sell. Um, I sell coaching. I know group training works really people uh, really well for people. And I've got people I really respect, respect that work with large numbers of people. Personally, I'd much rather work with a smaller group of people and just give them a little bit more of my time, but charge potentially a slightly, slightly higher premium for that. So having a longer term idea of who you'd like to work with, because that might dictate it, you know, your, your actions and the content that you put out and the sort of people that you pursue as clients as well. Yeah, which is brilliant and rare because that's why we've got into the industry is exactly what you just said. And there's not much of that left. Like everyone's mm. chasing a group and everyone's doing this and everyone, because everyone else is doing it. So, which is another reason why we wanted to get you on. So obviously time's ticking, mate, and I don't want to keep you too long in case you're even more in the doghouse on your own. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I hope some of that was helpful because yeah. I find with open discussions like that, there's often not a clear, distinct answer. And again, what's not sexy is depends. Like it depends on the circumstances, depends on that person, depends on your circumstances, depends on what part of the country you're in, you know, depends whether you're online, depends when you're offline. There's so many variables to consider. So there's there's not often a, a definitive answer for those things, but hopefully lots of lines of thought for people at least. Yeah. And that's all we want, mate. Obviously that's we're trying to be client centered and we're trying to be trainer centered instead of just turning around and going, right, this is the best approach for your client, mm -hmm. right? So thought-provoking stuff that they can go off and hopefully get down, take a few points off and start to apply and, and take note of and be a little bit more self-aware. I think that was a big mm. point of the last kind of 50-odd minutes. Um, be more self-aware. Practice the stuff that you then start to figure out that you're not great at, whether that's a bit like me, listening, being compassionate, being empathetic and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and trying to get better at them like you would do a skill in the, in the weight room. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly the same, isn't it? Brill, mate. It's been great to have a chat and it's been great to have you on. Um, Thanks for having me. A guest and yeah, it's been really good and we massively appreciate it because it's your time out of your day and so on. So we really, really appreciate it. Um, do you want to do that thing of where the guys can find you? That one? Oh, um, I've come off everywhere. Where am I left? Oh, Instagram, the.dan.osman. You'll find me there. You um, the yeah. Sorry? You yeah, because no, no one got the A, so... I'll tell you that story very quickly. So when I started my business and I went fully self-employed about 12, 11, 12 years ago, Ace Performance was, was my business name, Aspire, Create and Empower Performance. Like that. But everyone just thought, oh, Ace as in like cheesy Ace. And I did play on that with my initial graphic. Anyway, it just sounded like a really conceited, like self-assertion. I'm Ace. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, let's just get away with that. The Dan Osman, that's me. It's not a common name. That kind of does what it says on the tin. Top man. All right, mate. Thanks for doing that up. Top man. Thanks. Right, guys, thank you for your time. We didn't even have any time for questions. Um, but if there is, post them in the comments below and we'll get back to you. Um, appreciate you coming on, mate. And see you all soon. Thanks, okay. mate. Ciao.